Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hook them up with P and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Oh, man. We started with the uh, ass-whooping in Rome, the Rome, Rome romper room that's continuing. At 6 o'clock, we were talking about the uh, Ryder Cup, and for the first time in the history of this event, one uh, side won all four, of the, all four matches on day one. They did the, uh, the foursomes this morning, early morning overnight here. Uh, that's where you play alternate shot, essentially. right? They call it foursomes. There's only one ball per team. And then this then, afternoon, are you, are you sure it's not best shot? No, it's not. They're, they're not. But they're playing. both shooting. Every time. No, like no. they're both teeing off. Like both. Well, guys right now, because now they're playing four ball. Alternate, yeah. Well, now they're playing four ball four. this afternoon, which means each golfer plays their own ball uh, all the way in. But okay. overnight, but, they're, they're, this morning they played four sums, which is you play with your partner, he hits tee shot, you hit the yeah, next you, shot, you no alternate. best ball, you just you just play the next yeah, shot. We, you know, when you play it, uh, it like your club or something, you call it alternate shot, but. Um, it's just each team has one ball uh, in that, and then that's why they call this four ball because there are four balls in play because uh, all four golfers are playing their their score. Uh, it did not go well for Team USA this morning. They lost all four, never led in any match, never no never held a lead in any of the four matches. And right now, what did I see? the the The, the last time one side of the Ryder Cup, USA or Europe. Won the first five matches of the Ryder Cup was 1947. Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson, and Sam Snead were leading the USA that year. And right now, uh, let me see the first match. Right now, the 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 uh, Euros lead the first match of the afternoon with Victor Hovland and Terrell Hatton one up on Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. They just finished the uh, 12th hole. Uh, Euros won the 12th. Now, uh, so they've got the USA's up. Not in that match. In the first one on the 12th. What they're they're one up, tied one up, and then the the last group to go off the Roy McIlroy group is six up. Okay, okay, that's the red. Okay, so yeah, USA just won twelve, so that had been all square. So good. Hoblin and Hatton were, were leading last time I looked. So yeah, now Thomas and Spieth have taken the lead. This is a huge one, right? This is the first match of the afternoon session, uh, the first chance for the USA to get a point here. And Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth now lead it. Uh, of course, Jordan and Justin are good buddies. Have been all the way back to their college days and amateur days. Uh, they took a lead, uh, and then Scotty Scheffler and Brooks Kepka are playing together today in the in the four ball, and they are tied with John Rahm and Nicola Hojgaard uh, right now, all square through eleven. Uh, the USA also leads another match. Max Homa and Wyndham Clark are playing against Rob, uh, Bob McIntyre and Justin Rose. USA one up on that. They had been two up. But uh, Rose and McIntyre just took a hole at number 10. And how about this one? The final match today, you, uh, right, Europe's at least going to have five points after day one. Yeah, it looks like it. Because McElroy and Fitzpatrick lead oh, Morikawa shit. and Shoffley six up through nine. Six up through nine. Come on, Xander. Yeah, That's Rory's terrible. just on fire. Uh, by the way, the most uh, – the let me see this number. Uh, there, there's a – a stat to give you on that front as far as that largest margin of victory ever in an 18-hole four-ball match in Ryder Cup history, 7-5, and five, with Lee Trevino and Jerry Pate over Nick Faldo and Sam Torrance in 1981. 
So this one is. Uh, Do they just stop? Yeah, if they're up enough, like they don't have to keep going, right? No, they. Yeah, it's called dormy. Yeah, dormy. I mean, it, yeah, that's why you'll see it. I mean, it, it will stop if you're if you're six up with six holes to play. It's yeah, over. once it's impossible, that's it. Yeah, because you get it, you got there's a point online on every hole, and so once you can't acquire enough points to come back, their holes are the points are more than the holes. That's where you see when it's four and three. Like there, there were you're up four, four with three, holes, three to holes to go. You're up two with one hole to play. Uh, okay. I've always wondered. Okay. Yeah, that that's, makes sense now. Yeah, because you're playing for a point on every hole. It's match play, head to head. Total score doesn't matter. It's it's hole by hole. 1947 is the last. I mean, you're talking about. Sheesh. Well, and they so, were just getting well, back together after I World War II. That, because if Hovland and Hatton come back to beat Thomas and Spieth, and they're trailing by a hole right now with with five to play or six to play, uh, that that they will achieve that. The Euros would have won the first five matches of the Ryder Cup. And, uh, was yeah. there any impact of the whole live PGA thing on assembling the Ryder Cup? Oh, for team? sure. In uh, Europe, there was. To, to, they weren't allowed. But Kepka's allowed. Kepka's allowed. Kepka's allowed. Well, and, and Captain Zach Johnson said, look, he earned his way on. He won a major. Uh, he was contending in other majors. He almost earned, he almost earned enough money to qualify just for the whole, like, automatic. So he was an obvious one. The one that was somewhat controversial, was not a live one, was Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas just played terrible in the second half of the golf. I wanted year. to see Keegan Bradley. And so. Yeah, Keegan Bradley played great. Uh, there, there, you know, there's always second guessing because six players automatically qualify, and then there are mm-hmm. six captains picks. And you know, Zach Johnson went with his gut and thought Justin Thomas needed to be there and uh, representing the United States. Uh, he's been a tremendous match play player and Ryder Cup player in the past, but he was. I mean, Justin Thomas was shooting like 80s and stuff down the stretch. He was he had lost his game, but he's playing with Spieth right now. And they're leading, which is the first time the this is the first point of this event on day one where the USA has had a lead going down the back nine. We'll see if they can hold it. That would be a big one. Because look, even if you can just get to five and a half to two and a half here, um, you know, you're, you, that's the eight points that are on the line today. Um, you you'll you'll be okay with that after going zero for four in the first. At least you would have battled back in the, another day tomorrow of team golf, same format, essentially, and then individual Sunday. But this will be fun. I may have to wake up uh, early morning on Sunday to watch this and then watch the Toy Story version of the Jacksonville game. No, early morning. <laughs> how early? Oh, like 1, one o'clock. One, one, one thirty. I'll be up. Morning. Ty will be coming out <laughs> of Deep Eddie Cabaret. Deep Eddie Cabaret. You know what I'm saying? It is cool to have live sports on. We're doing the show in the morning. I do like that, watching uh, Justin Thomas try to roll in a putt. This is for Birdie. It is oh, just a bit outside. Uh, this says, I think live versus PGA did affect the U.S. now. I don't think see the normal camaraderie we usually have. Well, there are those on the team that don't think Brooks Kepka should be there. Let's be fair about that. There are those who do. There are those who don't care. There are those who are great friends with Brooks Kepka and don't hold it against him. Um, and he's the only player on that team that's from the live tour. But there are, I think it's fair to say there are those um, even on that team. That Why would you care at this point? Well, because you, no one cares anymore. Well, not you don't I, care. I mean, it doesn't I, mean no one cares. A lot of people within the, I mean that that's the it's short side. The, the folks within the golf world who make that for a living and do that for their career, a lot it's it, it's deeply caring, uh, deeply caring. Yeah, I think as an audience, the the amount of you know the being able to care sloughs off over time but i think if you're if you're in the golf world personal you either get over it right away because it's in your best interest or you never get over it. well yeah. it's in your best interest because you're getting more money 
Well, no. I mean, it's still. Well, I think there are some people who thought of it as as a, as a point of honor, a point of you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you see, die scoff at that. Well, no, that's the point I've made over and over again. When this, if the players who went to live had never gone to live, the Saudi royal fund could not have done what they did. Right? That was the leverage play. That was the disruptor that led to where we are. That's still a fact. If Phil Mickelson and all the players hadn't gone, and again, it's their choice. They can do what they want with their careers and take the, the bags of money. I get it. But if they hadn't, that created the disruptive situation that allowed them to force the PGA Tour into a corner uh, because there were rumors of more players jumping uh, after the, uh, the first couple of majors. Uh, that, and that's true. I mean, players who make this for their career can still make that claim accurately, that if you guys had all stayed together, if we just stayed together and fought together to fight Jay Moynihan and the PGA Tour and get what the, the, you know, the, the improvements on our tour that we wanted, you know, the, the, the Saudis can have as much money as they want. But at that point, what, what in, the, in their own statements and their own filings, even in front of court testimony, in front of co- congressional testimony, what has the PGA Tour said? The reason we had to merge is that we were going to be go bankrupt because of lawsuits uh, and and pers- having to raise our purses to compete, uh, and the only the, the two, you know, if the if the top players hadn't gone, they wouldn't have had that opportunity. There wouldn't have been lawsuits. There wouldn't have been sure. you know had the raise again that. But again, that's that's market forces. Um, well, it's because P- as I said before, the, the 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 Saudis wanted to buy wanted to buy into the PGA Tour before all this started, and they wouldn't let them. They didn't want their money. They didn't want them getting involved in golf. Uh, and that Saudis weren't going to stand for that. Said, so, okay, I know what we'll do. We'll get Phil Mickelson and we'll start this rival tour and we'll disrupt them to such a point that then they'll have to merge, and, it, which is exactly what happened. Is it fair to say that the PGA was asleep at the switch once they knew that there was a possibility that the Saudis might simply try and bankroll their way in yes. to pro golf? Did, sure. Did, I think, did I the think PGA Jay Moynihan, kind of. Jay Moynihan was, I, I think he was too confident that his players wouldn't leave. Gotcha. I think he was too confident that the best players would would never. That was do part that. of the issue in the first place, though. Yeah, was the uh, the lack of just like, oh, we are the PGA. We don't got to change anything. Sure, we, we don't have. We can have as many well, events as we want. In, like it's in hindsight, it looks silly, but in real time, I think Jay Moynihan thought that the the stigma of leaving to go play for the Saudis would be too much too for much these guys for... to do. It would be bad for their brand. You know, the families well, of nine eleven, no. and clearly it wasn't. And um, which it, it's shame on Jay Moynihan because he should have done more to, to protect his tour uh, and improve the tour because the, everything they did as far as the, the greater purses and the, uh, you know, the, the you know, isolating more money to the top players to make sure they were getting their share, which, because again, in golf, you don't tune in to see no names. You tune in to see the best players. And if they're not playing in an event, no one's watching. And if they're not in contention in events, no one's watching. They understand that. They drive the meter. Uh, and Mon- Monaghan was big on the old school. Oh, no, no, it's just we're, we're fine. Uh, and, you know, Live became the disruptive force that forced the change. And so when people say, well, why did they have to merge? Well, they say it was because they were going bankrupt. And if they look down the road at the bank and what it was going to cost to fight these long, you know, protracted litigations, you know, we don't we can't match up funds wise. They're going to outspend us and we're going to be underneath it. So they, they went ahead and merged and, you know, the, the, the PIF got what it wanted, which is control of golf. And now they have it. Uh, as soon as that gets rubber stamped by the Congress, which it will, but it, that doesn't mean Ty that there aren't still personal hurt feelings within the yeah, tour. Rory, oh Rory, I mean, I, I, I know this that. whole situation has really made me not like Rory very much. Oh, makes me love Rory. I mean, I, he stood for it. What do you mean? Why would you not like Rory? I just he's just a little too stuck up. 
to me. Kepka's not. Well, Kepka, do you I mean just do what you want? Like, don't don't judge other people for like you could. Yeah, you had the opportunity to do it. You didn't. Like, don't well, listen judge to what them. I'm saying though. That tie them leaving created the opportunity yeah, but for they the Saudis. For, to take... They left for. They were complaining about things before the the Saudi. And I just said in. that. Yeah, but it's know, not wrong but... to be mad because if they hadn't done it, that was the wedge that was able to be created. Well, be mad at Jay Moynihan then. Sure, he, he's the. But he's... you could be mad at both. You can be. You, you could, I don't think you could be know, mad at these golfers. I don't know how you'd be mad at Rory. I'm not. I'm not mad at him. I'm just saying his his attitude and some of his comments have. Well, he have, was adamant about his his detest for the Saudis and detest for live. Yeah, but then um, they went they they went back on that instantly, and he's like, "This will never happen." And then, like a month later, well, they he had were, he had no again. He had no control of that. Yeah, so be mad at Jay Moynihan, who definitely was telling him to push or, those messages. No one's saying don't be, but uh, the, what I'm saying is the where this started is you saying that no one cares anymore. Don't that is not as true. viewers. I don't I don't think viewers. Oh, well, really sure. Care. I think the general public has passed that story now. I'm I'm talking about because the conversation was about players on this team still being upset. Uh, I do believe that's true. Who do you think is? Uh, I'm not getting. I mean, I, there were comments made. I think Wyndham Clark made some comments. I think uh, uh, others uh, they, they didn't think Kepka. They didn't want live players on it. The, the Europeans don't have any. Like they made the rule. <laughs> well, Who would have been on it from Europe though? You know, Sergio? Here, here's the thing. You don't. You don't. You don't know how they feel about it. I mean, they're not going to come in and talk about the press. Talk to the press in a team event about how Brooks Kepka is not welcome on this team. They're just not going to say that. But it doesn't mean those feelings don't exist. Yeah. Well, again, that's that, that that's been an ongoing debate, and the golf world is it's going to settle down. But again, the Saudis are going to be in charge of golf globally. They're just in a partnership now with the PGA Tour, which I believe could have been prevented if the players had stuck and stayed and stayed united. And as you said, and I said, Ty, fight with fight together against Jay Moynihan to get the thing fixed the way it needs to be, not by jumping for the easy money and the live tour. But again, I, I'm of the I'm not. I'm not a big fan of following Phil Mickelson into things. I'm not a big fan of Brooks Kepka into things. These are, I don't think they had their, they had themselves, their selves best interest in at heart, not the game of golf. It's an individual sport though. But, How could you not have your, like, I wouldn't care if the PGA is making money or if they're screwing me over, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go to the best opportunity for myself. It doesn't matter I, if I'm not getting watched as much so you can still play in majors, but Kepka won a major this year. For sure, and I, it's, I, and I, I think he's doing. I, he made the right out of all those guys that jump ship. He seems like the the one that came out of it the cleanest. Listen to what he just said, Ty. Before you say that, they put themselves ahead of what was good for the game, and there at some point there's things bigger than you and your pocketbook. They, they did. The game is worse today because the Saudis are in charge of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, and that happened because of there's a cause and effect here. So yes, you should be as an individual contractor doing what's best for you, but at the same time, when it becomes the the game itself is threatened by the, your decisions, then I can criticize you for that. But is it is the game threatened? Because I mean, it well, seems Sa- like we're doing Saudi fine Arabia right now. runs golf now. Is that so good? For, is that good care. for the game? Well, again, again, Ty, you're, you clearly don't care. I mean, they're, they're um, but a lot of people do, and it's. It, I do not think it's good for the game of golf to have Saudi Arabia and the Royal Public Fund running golf. It's not like and we're paying getting, for golf. We're not getting Saudi Arabia shoved down our throats all the time, though. It's, oh, well, it's, 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 okay. It's, I don't know. I, I respect your opinion on it, but um, well, the, the I, texter, I, the, the texter, at least one of them is going with you, Ty. I agree. Rory's come out live. Look, I I know there are a lot of people that are on Ty's side of this. I just know if you if you argue with me on the the point of this, putting yourself ahead of the good of the game is that's criticizable. Right, putting yourself ahead of the good of the sport that has made you a fortune already and made you rich, which again you're you could be like Ty and disagree that the game is worse off now, 
I just patently disagree with that. I don't agree that the, the Saudi Royal Fund bankrolling and running global golf, I don't think that's good for the game of golf because uh, they are in control now. Whatever the PJ Tour says about the partnership or a merger, the money's coming from them, and they have bought in and they've taken over. I don't think that's good for the game. So that was allowed and opened up. The door was open to that by these players doing what was best for them better than what, more than what was good for the game of golf. That's my opinion. We can always have that debate, but at the same time, there are people like Ty, a lot of people like Ty who believe, no, they're just, they play golf, and they were going to go where the money was best. That's the free market. That's the system. I disagree, but um, you know that's, that's what's led to this. But again, back to the beginning, there are a lot of people, even on this Ryder Cup team and in and around the game of golf, that are still, they, they'll, hold, they'll hold a grudge on that for a long time. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, I again, I just do not agree that the game is not in a worse spot today than it was two years ago before the Saudis began this pursuit. And uh, here we are. But there, is that is that impacting this Ryder Cup team? I don't know. Thomas and Spieth are now two up, by the way, uh, which means they're in a good place here where there are only a few holes to go. Now they got five holes to go, two up advantage for J- uh, Thomas and Spieth. Good for them. Uh, the, the second match of the afternoon is ha- is even right now. And as we said, uh, by the way, USA leading two matches. They're trailing big time in that last one and tied in the other. So number two, uh, the match between um, Rahm and Hojgaard and Scheffler and Kepka, big one right now. Because if the USA could come out of this afternoon with three points and only be down 5-3 after the you know shocking start, that would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Hey, viewership in the final round of majors is up 14% this year, though. So more people are tuning. I think the whole situation, regardless of what how everyone feels about it, it got more eyes on golf. Well, uh, like people that didn't know what was going on in golf at all, because it was such a major story for the what, like a month of the summer, even longer. Yeah, I wonder what the what 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 you'd attribute that increase in viewership to, though. There were some good majors. I mean, that's just Sunday of majors, about fourteen percent since yeah. twenty twenty two. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, there was less less of the the main guys were in the majors, like yeah. you said, because of live. But here says love Rory and Tiger for their stance against live. This says million dollar athletes whining about free market capitalism. Well, let me ask you if you're the free market capitalist person like Ty. If I said to you two years ago, do you think it would be good for golf if the Saudi Arabian Royal Public Fund owned golf? Do you think that would be good for the game? I think it would be unanimous no. Okay, so fast forward two years. Now they do. You can't now double back and say, oh, it's no big deal. if you Because no one would have agreed with that two years ago. But now it's happened, and now those same people say, oh, that was just the free market. The, well, no, we would have tried to avoid that happening. Uh, and, yes, could the PGA Tour and Jay Moynihan, the players on the tour, done more quickly, more quickly to prevent it? Sure, 100%. But let's start with the base premise. The game is in a worse place now because of it. So that's where the hard feelings come from for people who make their living Within that sport, whether they're playing the game, caddies in the game, or you know officials around the game, uh, and historians of the game, those are all fair points. People like Ty, who's a casual viewer and a casual golfer, get it. But again, start with the base premise: it, it, the, the game is in a, in, a, in a worse place today than it was two years ago. Well, and you've you know there, you've got it. I think I think anybody would admit that the uncertainty of the future of golf or the direction of golf, not the future of it because it's going to be around, but the direction that professional golf takes is now much more in the hands of the Saudis. That's right. I mean, they're going to, to do things in their own best interest. And so there's an uncertainty that somewhere down the line, there's going to be some decision that the Saudis make 
based on what's best for them and the House of Saud that is going to affect negatively how professional golf works. I mean, you can't say that will never happen. And you are talking about, you know, a government after all that, like, you know, kills people that don't like what they get written about. So, Correct. So, so in, in, to have a professional sport entirely in the hands of a country that has got the money, but also the, the, the motivation to take that professional sport and move it in a direction that suits their own best interests, you may find yourself as a viewer five years from now being very upset that it's in the hands of the Saudis. Well, I mean, I think we know where they're going. And this was a stated goal of theirs uh, years ago now, and it's now come to fruition. That says PGA was clearly taking advantage of their players, similar to the way NCAA athletes were taken advantage of. I don't disagree with that. And, again, I, I'm on the player side. I'm just saying, and I said it in real time, I wish they would unite together. Even if you have to boycott some tournaments, even if you have to fight, don't do that part. Don't give them the wedge. Don't give them, don't give the Saudis exactly what it created just to go grab some money unite together and, and fight against the PGA Tour as a, as a group. Uh, that didn't happen. It fractured. Uh, some went here, some went there, and some stayed. And, again, that, to, to expect that not to leave some lingering animosity between the players is what I'm saying is, you know, something you have to watch for because just because you don't care, we don't care, they care. Uh, they, they still – this is what they do. I think a lot of them are probably upset that they – didn't go, the other guys got the money, and then the PGA Tour folded. Could well be. Well, that I, could I, well be. I think there are some It's like, why that. didn't, like, you, you convinced me to stay, Jay Monahan. Yeah. And, and then now, you folded. Yeah, and now all these guys are back. Yeah. And they made their money. Well, I think Jay Monahan would say what I just said. We had to fold because you didn't stay. And those guys didn't stay. That's what, Ty, if you agree with the assessment, that that's what led to, their, to the disruptive opportunity and the wedge. Then had they stayed, okay. that that opportunity would have never been there. But I, I'm just if so if the if the live tour offered you said I've, fifteen times what you make now and you work fifty percent amount of the time, would you not at least consider it? I wouldn't do it. I mean, I've said during when, during the initial start of that debate, uh, what did I say on this show? If Alex Jones called me and asked me to come work for Infowars and was going to pay me ten million dollars to work for him a year, I would turn it down. I wouldn't work for a person like that. I wouldn't. Period. End of story. Um, just not my deal. I know Alex Jones. That I, I would never work for him no matter the dollar amount. But that's, you know, it, you, we would each have our own choice to make. Uh, but that's, that would be mine. Has there, has there been another episode like this in a, in, a, in a game that is individuals versus team sports? F1. F1. The oh, Saudis yeah. are in F1. No, yeah, no, every other race. I, I watch Drive to Survive in every other race. Is 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 well, you anything know. global? They're going to be involved in, yeah, and going to want to be involved. I in. just, I just want because NBA, I'm, you can keep an eye on the NBA because NBA is a global game, baseball, uh, for sure. These are global sports. For right now, their big push in Saudi is in uh, cricket, uh, the game of cricket. I just wonder if it's harder to 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 because obviously the first way you take over something is disrupt it. I mean that 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 was nobody can disagree with the fact that that was a huge disruption in PGA for Mickelson and everybody. You know the the initial yes we will play ball with the Saudis we're going to join that league was a huge disruptor, and I'm I'm I think it would be tougher to do that in a team sport. Uh, I agree with to that. turn franchises. You know who's the franchise that's the Phil Mickelson? It would be I, well, real that, tough. That's what I would like with soccer. They're they, I mean, they have their own league, and they're pulling the individuals to try to prop up the league. And that with Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar and 
a number of other guys. All right, we're back. We need to go head-to-head, tie with our five picks, uh, head-to-head, college and pro. Uh, I had a 5-0 and week last week, Monday. Whoa. Yeah, 5-0. and Ty was 1-4. and There's that professional some... <laughs> batter. Uh, can't win them all. Can't win them all. Can't I've got win to them see all. if I can keep can't my hot even... streak going. We'll have that coming back. Uh, also, we'll uh, play a little Who Said That before the end of the hour. It is uh, Ian Rodby with Monty Williams sitting in. Good stuff. Watching this Ryder Cup will keep you posted on those uh, three matches right now, the U- or two of them that the USA is leading. Details to come here on Hook'em Up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Friday on The Horn, the football weekend is here. It started last night with the high school. Also, the Lions smacking around the Packers at Lambeau Field. That was uh, uber impressive, I thought. I think we all... Thought that was in the Lions, but man, could they? As we said, that last 32 years they'd only won there four times in since 1991. One of them was last year in the end of the year when they eliminated the Packers from playoff contention and ended uh, Aaron Rodgers' run uh, at Lambeau Field with the Green Bay Packers. Thought that was impressive, and could they follow this up? Uh, because both teams were two and one supremacy top spot in the AFC, NFC North was on the line, and man, it was that was about as, as thoroughly dominant as you'll see an NFL game in the first half. I mean, that was, uh, especially for a road team, that's like what the Cowboys did to the New York Giants week one, um, where you just, I mean, they outgained them, Monty, in the first half, 260 yeah. to 30 yards. What was that stat, the running back? Uh, only oh, David only Montgomery. Barry Sanders. Yeah, only Sanders, oh, Peyton, yeah, Well, and- yeah, David, David Montgomery had uh, over 100 yards, 121, and three touchdowns. But uh, the interesting number for him is, of course, he played for the Bears, so he used to play at Lambeau Field every year there, too, as a divisional rival. But uh, it's his third career 100-yard game at Lambeau Field. Only Walter Payton with six, Adrian Peterson with four, Barry Sanders with four, recorded more 100-yard rushing games on that field than now David Montgomery. And he added three, three tutties. So if you're a fantasy owner and you have David Montgomery, you're happy. If you have Jameer Gibbs, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're throwing things. Uh, but, yes, he's got five touchdowns already. Remember, he had the kid a couple of touchdowns against the Chiefs that Thursday night game to start yep. the season that the Lions won. Lions are a good-looking team. As we talked about lines of scrimmage, their offensive line. Um, it, 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 you know, everybody's got great athletes. It's the NFL. They're all pros. I mean, like David Montgomery is a good player. He didn't look like this kind of running back with Chicago. So people are like, man, where'd that come from? Well, he's playing behind one of the two or three best offensive lines in the league, and uh, he's just running through huge holes, and they just you know clear the path. And that's a good Packers front. That's a good Packers front that I don't think they'd allowed. I guess the Falcons scored 25 points, but the other two games they held their opponents under 20, um, and and they just man that was that was awesome. Only thing you know more impressive than that was their their actually their defense in Detroit was more impressive. I mean they just. They were suffocating the the, the Jordan Love led Packers and uh, Boo Birds at Lambeau Field. I mean, it was bad because they couldn't move the ball. Uh, it was just a you know, pretty overwhelming performance. That's what you would like to see from the Longhorns tomorrow. Would be a similar performance than you saw to the Baylor Bears. Now, here's the thing: Baylor at Waco. This is what was so impressive about Texas last week, Monty. Was uh, as we've heard from eyewitnesses that were at that game. It was a real crowd. I mean, this is the first time Texas had ever played a night game at McLean Stadium. Um, since that stadium was built, that's the first time under the lights. And by all accounts, it was a it was a great crowd. The students and the fans were there early. 
They were into it. It was a blackout. I mean, they were really ready to, to beat Texas for the final meeting, and uh, you know, Texas never blinked. I mean, yeah. that that that's what was really impressive to me was in two road environments like Alabama and that Baylor scene, they were just locked in. Just this is what you love and about the ceiling potential of Texas because to go into those environments, Monty, not blink. Uh, I, I don't want to say they dominated Alabama, but th- there were stretches of that game where it felt like they were dominating Alabama, right? And if they had caught, if, J- yeah, if, if, if a six-man <laughs> catches a ball <laughs> yep. and he takes the right route on an end-around. They and, score in the first five minutes if, if he doesn't drop that pass. Yeah, I mean, they're, they were out the gate. And it was only a close game at 16-13 when Bama finally took the lead that you know, because of Texas's own doing. They just weren't executing, catching balls, um, you know, finishing drives. Well, well, what do you know? Bang, bang, bang. They look that down and go 21 quick points and, and blow the game out. Um, you know, that is the point of it is to be going beyond the road like that twice already and play with that type of focus where there was zero pre-snap penalties. You know, no pre-snap penalties, no turnovers, you know, all the stuff you normally would be worried about on the road in a place like that, you know, jumping off sides and kicking the ball around. You know, outside of that little stretch against Bama where the, the quarterback sneak got loose, and right, mm-hmm. the, they jumped back on it, and then they went for it on fourth down. Texas played a really clean game there, aside from the drop balls. Uh, and then at Baylor, the only messiness was the, the special teams and the three dropped kickoffs and punts that uh, they had. But what I liked is just the poise, and this is what Sark wants. Sark is hoping and looking for this team to come in and play at home with that same laser focus, right, uh, that energy, because they, you know, Wyoming Rice, yeah, you know, they kind of messed around and uh, waited to till the second half to explode. I think with a ranked Kansas team that's coming in with a ton of confidence off a big double-digit win over BYU, um, this is the, we heard, talked to Ari Temkin earlier this week, and he's a Kansas graduate, called it the, you know, the biggest Kansas football game since they played in the Orange Bowl a long time ago with Mark Mangino. They're going to be hyped up. You'd love to see Texas meet that meet that level, meet that energy, and uh, take care of this team. Because uh, they should, they're the better team. You know, it's funny because I I heard similar comments when Texas was playing Alabama that this is the biggest game in ten years for oh, Texas. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it, it, it's so so. It was, I think. I mean, that's that would be my opinion. See how Kansas responded. You know, the one thing Kansas hadn't res- had to respond to so far this year is pressure. I mean, you, what I mean, like pressure to show up for this game and play a good game. There there's going to be a lot of pressure on Kansas to perform. I yep. really be- I mean I really believe Well the believe pressure that. really is on them. Right? Yeah. I mean that's they're coming I, I on the road that. to play a top 3 team. Yep. This says EI still say the offense has not played a complete game. I want to see them score in every quarter. Well that that that's right. I look I would agree with those who say Texas hasn't played to their ceiling yet. No. I mean a complete game would include Xavier Worthy catching that touchdown pass against Alabama. And I also say that their ceiling what what they've proven in the first month, which we didn't know before the first game, is their ceiling is really high. <laughs> like so, yeah, I think to say they haven't played to their ceiling yet is kind of nitpicky. I mean, they've done a lot right. They've they've checked a lot of boxes so far. But what the texture is saying, what you're saying right there is, boy, if they do get to a ceiling, if they do start playing consistent football, and four quarters of consistent football, there's they're as good as any team in America. They're as yeah. good as any team in the country. Their lines of scrimmage are improving. Their quarterback is coming along. Their weapons, their defense, they they check a lot of boxes. And the one thing Sark keeps saying, which I couldn't agree with more, championship teams get better week by week. They 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 add something. It's like those uh you know professional athletes that are working on something new every offseason, right? Fixing one thing. Teams who win championships continue to improve. So this week, it's a point of emphasis on the special teams and figuring out what was going on with that. It's getting uh, 
you know, getting your safeties and figuring out which safeties are going to help you best in coverage and how you shore that up. I mean, you just start plugging holes. And the Longhorns haven't shown a lot of holes. That's the great thing. Well, can you plug those and, and keep playing consistently in the places you're playing, playing well? And who does Oklahoma play this weekend? Iowa State at home. Iowa State at home. Okay, so they ought to win that. I, I still do you do you feel if they beat Kansas, let's not say handily, but they let's say twenty eight seventeen, which is which is good. You know that's a good solid win against a ranked team. Do you feel completely confident going into that Oklahoma game, knowing that last year Oklahoma got blitzed? And now they're coming in undefeated. Well, it's the reason I think I feel, well, I said earlier, one of the reasons I feel confident week to week for Texas is their lines of scrimmage are going to show up. Uh, That Rice game was too close because the offensive line played a poor game. Let's be honest about that. The offensive line did not play well. And, you know, Sark let them know it, um, you know, the next week when they were going good on good and getting ready for Alabama. He was pretty upset about that. Uh, But the offensive line's been better. So I feel like, and the defensive line's been tremendous all year. So I feel like that... That gives you a, keeps you in every game. If you're not turning the ball over and you're getting great line of scrimmage play, you're going to be pretty good. Um, but to, you know, tell me your question again. I just jumped out. I'm just, are you going to feel real oh, confident well, going in re- against well, Oklahoma? That on top of the fact that they outscored these two teams, you know, 55-14 and 49 nothing last year. And I know last year. 59-10. What? Last year's game was 55-14, to 14, Texas. It was? Am I, I feel like I'm going crazy this 55 week. 55-14. to 14. Uh, and then last year's Alabama game or Oklahoma game was forty nine to nothing, uh, and as Texas fans would say, it should have been fifty two. <laughs> Missed that damn field goal to put it a fifty burger. So I truly Michael, believe that the rivalry games well, are here, always. And, you and know, again, I know each, each year is different. Each game is different. I'm not playing the saying you can just say that to this year, but I do think, I you know Texas was significantly better than Oklahoma last year. I think Oklahoma's better, uh, and Kansas is significantly better this year than they were last year. But Texas is better. So have those teams made up, you know, forty points worth of ground on Texas to this point? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about Texas, and I, they're already been established as a five or six point favorite against Oklahoma next week. But I will say for Brett Venables' team, you know, that's a rivalry game. So you just throw mm-hmm. out anything, right? I, that's I the one where, unlike these week to week games, you know, throw out the. I mean, I still don't know how Charlie Strong's team beat Oklahoma that year. Uh, they this 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 rivalry is is different, man. It's just, you know. And this year looks like we're on a collision course to both being teams being undefeated, both being ranked. And obviously, yeah, the one side took a bad beating the year before. So, yeah. But that leads to confidence for me if you're Texas. That, you know, yeah, they got some new players. Uh, we, we're better. Uh, we beat them by 50 last year. And, uh, but, you know, looking forward to it. This is a critical. This is critical the next two games. We also talked about some of the other games outside the Big 12, around the Big 12, and outside of college, uh, the, the state of Texas. Some big ones there. We'll make our picks. Ty and I will coming up at the top of the hour. We'll go head-to-head five picks each. Coming off my 5-0 and week and Ty's 1-4 and week. He needs a bounce back. I don't know if I can keep that going, Monty. I'm a little nervous. 5-0. and And Ty, you should shoot for 2-3. and three. Why? Just to get better? Just you're a professional gambler. I think you should go <laughs> in get... increments. No, I'm going 5-0 and this week. Okay. Uh, here's a people are now weighing in on this live conversation. We had it says, E, you're a man of your values and you wouldn't take the money, but you also would respect and wouldn't blame your colleagues for making the best business decision for themselves. Uh, agree. And that's what I think I've said. Uh, but at the same time, I, I understand those who don't forgive their colleagues because, uh, um, the whole thing is, well, the assumption is, is that their decision has no impact on you. And I don't think you can necessarily say that a hundred percent. That's, that's the with, other part of it. 
Because okay. this says, I 100% agree with Ty on the Live PGA Tour conversation. They are contractors. They will take the money where it, it is there, especially if you work half the time at best. And again, get that. But you have to me, you have to add the caveat, my decision is not in the best interest of the game. And I don't know that the players that took the money un- understood that. I really don't. I thought they would do I, – I think they just saw it as what you all are saying, that it was just a free market decision. I'm going to take the money and go – but I think a lot of them understood where this could trend and where it's gone and what the, the Saudis' mission was. Because a lot of people then text, well, why is the game worse than it was? Okay, well, then you, you and I, we'll just have to patently disagree that yeah. the Saudi Arabian Royal Fund being in charge of the game of global golf yeah. financially is and not worth and it's, uh, Saudis are not a free market culture no. at, at all. Uh, they're in charge of golf now uh, because of this. And I just will patently disagree if you think that doesn't make it, it doesn't hurt the game. That's well. It, 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 anyone would agree that it increases the uncertainty yeah. of the of the f- yeah. future golf. Because before this, the DP World Tour was run run by the the Europeans. The PGA Tour was run by the PGA Tour. Um, you know, all these tours ran themselves and worked together to you know put on events. And of course, the majors are all run by the individual major. Um, you know, the Masters and the PGA Championship and the PGA of America and the US USGA. All that we get it. Well, now the whole thing is run by the Saudi Royal Fund. Uh, we all agree, based on the merger. So I just think that's worse for the game. Um, I don't think that's good for the long term of golf and the overall. It's You know, I mean, I don't want to work for terrorists. I don't want to be run, owned by a group of I mean, if just because they're now softening their image, don't forget what the Saudi Arabian government is and what they are. We can't just pretend, as I said to Ty, it'd be like if, because uh, you know, Ty said well, we're trying to soften their image. Well, of course they are. They're trying to use sports to, to soften it. And, you know, if the mafia or the cartels and drug cartels started to try to buy franchises and buy sports, would you be for that? I don't think so. And that wouldn't make you a better game, uh, even if you're an independent contractor or not. Again, that's where, uh, for most people who are just general golfers, general hackers, general fans, I understand the apathy and you don't care. What we were talking about was within the, the sport, within the actual contractors themselves, there is still animosity. Uh, I don't think there's any debate about that. All right, we'll get you a scoreboard update on that. We'll also get the uh, the latest tally uh, from from Rome, see where we're at uh, with the U.S. leading in two, uh, see if they can close these out. We'll also get you some who said that coming next. You're on Hook 'em Up. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Ooh, and they saying that. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Oh, who said it? Some audio that, uh, I was just looking for the audio I was looking for. Now I can't find the audio. Dak Prescott. Uh, I can read what he said uh, about his buddy Zeke. What do you think it's going to be like on Saturday, on Sunday, Ty, when the Cowboys play the New England Patriots and Zeke Elliott runs out wearing number 15 for the New England Patriots? Not in that Cowboys gear. Will you be? How sad will you be, my friend? I'll be happy that a team believes in him like we didn't. <laughs> like we didn't. And you still wish he was a Cowboy. I believed in him. I'm, I'm sure a lot of Cowboys fans will feel the same way in the stadium. It'll be a good home, homecoming for him. I don't think there'll be any animosity towards him at all. Did you think there was a drop off in his performance? Yes. Over the- yes. I mean, I think there was. It's not all just him. Um, there was obviously a lot of injuries on the O line. Uh, no commitment to the run game uh, in the second half. A lot of games in the Kellen Moore, the in last year in Kellen Moore's uh, era. 
but I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously he's not the player he used to be, but I think he would, could be utilized pretty well in this Cowboys offense in the red zone. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I think he's going to get a huge ovation. I, um, I do too. The only bigger ovation in the stadium this, this weekend might be when uh, Taylor Swift is on the Jumbotron at uh, MetLife Stadium in New Jersey when the Jets are playing the Chiefs. She'll be in a box, right? It's going to be real interesting to see if that translates with the with you know people who don't watch any football are now going to watch because Taylor Swift is dating a player and you know is in the press box or is in a skybox. I, I I wonder if that'll translate week to week to week with with a, an increased audience, especially with a brand new demographic, which I just don't think there are many nineteen year old girls who cannot miss a game of football. Yeah, well that that's that'll be. You know, I know a lot of people are, are can't wait for the Taylor Swift conversation to go off their sports radio, but don't 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 rush because it's it's bringing it's a media story. It's a media story. It really is. Well, you know, we get the it's like you get you know keep politics out of my sports. It's keep yeah, yeah. Taylor Swift yeah, yeah. out of my sports too. It's the same kind yeah. of thing. Stick to sports. But uh, you know, Taylor, you know, I, I give Travis Kelsey credit because he's the one that said this week on his own podcast, which is now number one on Apple, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. Why. He that he you know it's on him. He said I did this to myself. I I I, I don't have to date the most popular person on the planet right now that doesn't have to be uh, i can get a lot of fish in the sea but he likes the girl i guess so you know then you just deal with it if you're gonna go there that's what i told rod when uh, rod and i were having this debate when it was first rumored that he might be going after her, i was like man i would that is too much man i don't need that media hype i don't need that uh i mean it, it, everywhere you go it's now the story because you decided to uh to to, to hook up with taylor swift well, Travis Kelsey doesn't seem to me to be someone who's really uncomfortable in front of a mic anyway. No, no. He's, you know, like, I mean, he's I, a this, gregarious I think he's guy. He's loving it's this. One of, it's one of the most likable things about Travis yeah. Kelsey and his brother. That's why their podcast is. It's not just yeah. they're, they're They're very funny. No, they're, they're, and they're, they're brothers, and they got great shtick, and they, they grew up you know, beating each other up. It's good stuff. But, you know, he's gregarious. But, again, he's a big, strapping, good-looking guy. He can date a lot of different people. I mean, uh, he's done uh, better. Yeah. That's ties always a dig at the uh, beauty of one Taylor Swift. I just think that's you're taking on a lot, man. Uh, if you're going out with Taylor Swift, you're you're changing your lifestyle dramatically. Uh, I'm pretty certain Taylor, T- Travis Kelsky could come to Austin and walk up and down. You know, I told 6th that story Street. about when I saw him on Sixth Street, and I was like, "Oh, that's Travis Kelsky." And yeah. I said hi to him, and we're like, "Why do you go out here?" And he was like, "Oh, because nobody knows who I am." Right, and so you can kind of live your life. You're still a star. You still make a lot of money, and you. But you can still live a pretty normal life. With if you're dating Taylor Swift, that goes away. No, that goes away. Didn't you have a Taylor Swift story? I mean, it seems to well, me I, through yeah. the years when I've been on with you, you talk one time to when she was at the beginning of her well, the my Taylor Swift story is I have got to eat my words on that. that like about the same time well, I was nobody make, minds that if you right. eat your words. No, I and I've I've done it before because when I first saw Taylor Swift, I was working at the other radio station. Um, this was way back, I believe. Somebody can tell me the Taylor Swift timeline of when she kind of burst on the scene. But, you know, they used to do at the old radio station I worked at, gosh, back in the in the glory years of Texas football. Let's call so it that. Not, oh, okay. 2000 to 2000. I don't remember the exact date. They, you know, in our building there, we had the sports station, the zone, but we also had two country stations mm-hmm. and music stations. And up in the front lobby where we had our offices then, um, they would bring artists in, and they would, for listeners of the country station, they would do these little, you know, stand-up concerts. So the artists would come in, and they'd do it usually during the lunch hour. So I'd get off the air with with Bucky at the time, and then you'd go up there, you'd grab a sandwich or whatever they brought for lunch, and you'd watch the artist. I saw a lot of people, and, you, and these were ones that were not big stars yet. 
right? I mean, it's kind of like Eric Rains down the hall at Coke FM right now. He brings in artists all the time that are that are up and coming. And so you used to see a lot of people. I saw Kelly Clarkson singing there mm-hmm. when she was off American Idol. I, saw, I mean, just a ton of people. Well, and I saw this girl, Taylor Swift, and I bet she was about 18 or 19 years old. And I watched, and I thought, she's terrible. I don't know if she had a bad day. I don't Because it was just her and a, and a microphone. Like, there wasn't any tuning or anything. So I saw it, and I was like, it I wasn't a huge deal to me. I'd seen a bunch of people up there in that little, you know, sprint lounge or whatever they called it at the time. And I just had, that was my initial introduction to Taylor Swift. I was like, well, that's she's, she's never been the, like a top flight vocalist. vocalist. She's gotten better. Uh, because, and again, I don't, because her tour bust was out, parked out in front. I don't know, you know where, maybe she had a big gig that night before and she's playing at the lunch hour. She just didn't sound very, her voice wasn't very good. It kind of cracky and you know, I was like, yeah, okay. And uh, that was it. So I had this, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, she's blowing up like Taylor Swift. So I would argue, y'all, she's not very good. I don't know what's good. She's not going to make it. She's not very, and this is my, my, my scouting, music scouting opinion. And so, yeah, I've obviously been proven. She might have not panned out. I mean, she did pan out in country, but like long term. I don't, I don't, her songwriting is, it's is stellar. amazing. Stellar. I mean, other great songwriters, you know. No, I think I think first and foremost, she her talent is writing. Well, you know, one of the best tributes I saw, you know, Ryan Adams, the uh, singer-songwriter uh, who had his own issues with females before. But uh, Ryan, Ryan Adams is a great songwriter, and he covered her enti- one of her entire albums. Just liked it so much that he did his own version of the, I don't even remember which one it was, but he did every song and his own style. And, um, you know, she she's a really good songwriter. I, I was wrong about Taylor Swift. Well, you know, now, Jerry Jones, I'm still riding that train. <laughs> here's, here's a good text. If my wife can stay engaged with the NFL, it means I get to watch it more. This is way back when the Bobby Bones show was on 96.7. That's true. Yeah, and Sammy and Bob were doing uh, Hello, K-Vet. And, uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was way back then. I used to switch between... Uh... 96.7, Bobby Bones, and y'all on the way to work. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. On the way to school. Oh, I remember Thank listening to a very young you, Aaron Hogan. I remember I remember meeting a very young Bobby Bones when he showed up from Arkansas. Good dude. One of the yeah, I've heard that. I mean, I've never met him. I've heard he's a great guy. I never expected him to look the way he does. Oh, man. he's he's He is a hustler's hustler. Like he, Way before we, we would, because what's, it was Bucky and I, and we'd been doing the show for quite a bit at that point when he showed up, and Sam and Bob, who were like historic yeah. figures and – uh, Bama Brown was over there, and so Bobby shows up, and he's got this whole plan. He gets this team of interns, and they're already—he's into social media before anybody understood social media, certainly at my age. And he is just—he's got—he was re, there's a reason he rose. Plus, he never—he's just—he was—he was a hard—he was dedicated and knew exactly how to attack social media and how to attack an audience through it. Where we didn't really—I wish I had to take notes from young Bobby Bones back then. Uh, but either way, here nor there. I wanted to play this uh, one piece of audio in Who Said That? Because Monty hasn't heard it. You people, if you were listening earlier in the week, have. I wanted to see if Monty could relate to uh, to this voice. Chris Mad Dog Russo on ESPN last week, getting ahead of a big Saturday. It's Friday now. Here was his description to his his uh, his co-hosts of what his, Sunday, his Saturday plan will be to watch all the college football games. Yeah. So I am going to I'll get a run in. I'll take the two dogs, Bo and Riley, for a walk. At about 12 o'clock, uh, sit down, uh, make an early cocktail, uh, cut a gummy in half. What's a gummy? A gummy. Uh, cut a gummy in yeah, half. Keep listening. Uh, uh, cut I? a gummy in half. We got Florida State Clemson. I like the Florida State quarterback. I'll do something there. At about 3.25, when I'm sauced, and I'm not driving in the house, 3.25, I'll put the call in to Fat Rob. 718-504. Uh, I'll put the call in to Fat Rob. Rob? You know what? What the hell? 
I, I can't root for Oregon. All right, and I'll, I'll pretend on TV. Put 10 dimes on Colorado and <laughs> Colorado and Dion. That's been a game. So by 325, I'll be sitting down with my shorts, little T-shirt, cocktail. I'll have the other half a gummy. Oh, you save it for later? I'll have half. I half. thought you were just rationing you're gonna it. You're going to swing the ticket rack while you're doing that? You're going to swing the tennis rack. Look at my golf swing. My putting. the moment. So by 330, I'll, I'll have ABC. It's on ABC, right? Yeah. Is this a Fowler game with Herb Street? I'm sure know. it is. I don't know. A Herb Street and Fowler. Well, why wouldn't it's, they be in there? They got to be there. The Colorado-Oregon game. Yeah, yeah that's And I love those two. I love Herb Street. Herbie, he watches all the time. He always texts me. So I'll go out there and I'll put the game on at 3.30. And I'll root like the I haven't heard from Herbie. Yeah, the only time I've heard from Herbie is when I showed up in Jackson State last year. Uh, See? You've got friends, too. There you go. Okay. I will bet the ranch and I will root crazy for the buff on Saturday. Which means he lost the ranch. <laughs> but he had a good day. That's, you can, that's a good day right there. Yeah, no, no you know what? It's, it sounded like I was listening to Joe Pesci. <laughs> that was funny. Mad Dog Russo, uh, the, the half a gummy, then a half a gummy, little cocktail. Once I'm sauced, once I'm good and sauced, yeah. I'll, I'll, not say, I'll call Fat Rob. I say cut out the drink and double the gummy. <laughs> and Mike... Might not want to call Fat Rob after two gummies. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, we will make our picks. Speaking of Fat Rob, Ty and I are going head-to-head. Uh, our five picks of the weekend, uh, college and pro. I know we're going head-to-head on one where he likes one side and I like the other. We'll do that. Come back. Hook him up on Ian Rod B. One more hour to go on a Friday.